Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. That's where we are. And my voice is a little um, scraggly tonight, so please um, kind of stay with me and help me a little bit um, by being patient. I've been working on it uh, with everything I can do. I did forget to drink that jalapeno juice a while ago, but I meant to do that. I forgot that. But um, everything else, I've been on inhalers and everything trying to get things back in shape. And so um, when we're talking tonight, we're just going to start right over at the place of Abraham, a man of faith. Um, We're going to leave basically everybody else. There's one man in the Bible synonymous with faith. Who is it? Abraham, right? His name is synonymous with faith. So this man's daring faith is what the rest of the Bible from now on is going to hinge on the daring faith of Abraham. Whole Bible from now on. Now, he is one man from which a whole nation will come. But it's not just any nation, it's God's nation. It's the nation the United States didn't stand up in support of. It's God's nation. We spit in the face of God. And so we don't care if they're your people. We will not support Israel. And all focus on this man will start to happen now. We'll pull him into view, his son into view, and his grandsons into view. Now, we will, by the way, if you want to go back and just prove these lines of genealogy that we studied in chapter number 10... You go back to the New Testament, look in Luke chapter 3, verse 23 through 38. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 16. One of them goes forward, the other goes backward, but they all have the same names. And so that's why we know that Jesus came to the proper line. Because it's recorded in the Old Testament, and it's recorded afresh for us twice in the New Testament. So, uh, if you want to study on that some, you can. Now, the life of Abraham is an example for all Christians who want to walk by faith. Do Do you believe that? In the first 11 chapters, we covered 2,000 years. That's it. But from now, from chapter 12 through 50 in Genesis, we're going to cover 350 years. That must mean that Abraham and his sons and grandsons is very important to this matter of our faith. So, uh, Romans 4, 3, listen to what it says. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. People say, well, in the Old Testament, they had to work for their salvation. Don't sound like it to me. He was saved by faith in the Old Testament, just like you saved by faith in the New Testament. Nobody's ever been saved any other way. You saved on credit in the Old Testament. You're saved paid in full in the New Testament. That's the only difference. It's the only difference. One side of the cross, the other side of the cross. But you're always saved by faith. Abraham, in chapter Romans chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, there he is called the father of all believers. Think about it. The father of all believers. So, when we think of faith, we do think of Abraham. He falls on his face several times, messes up. 
but he gets up and continues to walk in faith. Don't you do the same thing? I do. We fall down, we mess up, get away from God a little bit, we get back up, confess our sins, and keep walking with God. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's what we're going to see in his life. God devotes one-fourth of the book of Genesis to the story just of Abraham. One-fourth, 25% of Genesis. Now, when we talk about faith, the Bible says we're saved by faith, Genesis 15, 6. He said he lived by faith, Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 19. Obedience was the evidence of his faith, James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26. Abraham obeyed when he did not know where he was going, Hebrews 11, 8, verse 10. And Hebrews 11 calls that faith. He didn't know where, he didn't know how, he didn't know when, he didn't even know why, but he trusted God and so should we. That's why Hebrews 11 puts him as kind of the star of that hero of faith members there. So we, we are, I just want you to understand something. We're not saved by making promises to God and telling God what we're going to do, but we're saved by believing God's promises to us. You can promise God all you want to. Number one, you won't do it. And number two, it won't save you. And be careful about promising God something you're not going to do. God says that's dangerous, okay? That's why these New Year's resolutions you got to be real careful about, you know. Uh, God could turn that thing around on you, so, so watch it. So let's look at the first thing tonight. Number one, we want to see God's selection of faith, and that is Shem. In chapter 11 and verse number 10, that's introduced to us, Shem is. And then we go down through verse 32 and see that generation. And we've talked a little bit about that. So God uses Shem. He could have used Japheth. He could have used Ham. But God chose Shem. It was God's choice to choose Shem. And it's the one from which his nation will emerge. Romans 9, when people go there to try to prove their Calvinistic electionist idea and propaganda. Folks, listen, he wasn't talking about individuals. He's talking about a nation in Romans chapter 9. And then he's talking about the church where he grafted us in. So don't try to use that to where God loves somebody more than he loves somebody else and, and that one person could get saved but the other couldn't even if he wanted to. That's the most ridiculous thing and the most slap in the face of our God I've ever heard. That's why some folks lose their membership from here. I can tell you two, two or three families. They move their membership from here because they're Calvinist. And they don't like the way I preach against it. But folks, listen to me. This church was built on soul winning. Not trying to find a stripe down somebody's back to see if that's the one we ought to witness to or not. Amen? So, he chooses the selection of faith. It was God's choice of his salvation plan. The, the plan of salvation is predestined. It cannot be changed. God, God presented it, planned it, carried it all the way through, still is. He promises the salvation plan. But salvation, don't miss this, always has a divine initiation. Saving faith is also 
included in God's sovereign selection of a Jewish Messiah, which is to come into the world to die for our sins. Jesus chose this line of Shem for Jews uh, to be salvation to come of the Jews. You can read that in John chapter 4, verse 22. It doesn't come from a mixed Samaritan race. He doesn't come from a, a, a renegade rebel race. He, he doesn't come from that at all. In fact, you can read Romans 9, verses 4 and 5, and it'll tell you all the things that God gave to Israel didn't give to anybody else. Give them all these things, and yet they blew it. They blew it. But that still didn't mean they wasn't God's people. You can blow it, but if you've ever really been born again, God won't blow you away. All nations, according to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, was to be blessed in them. In other words, all nations, if they wanted a blessing, they're going to have to get blessed in the Jews. And you wonder why the world's in shape of sin. In fact, just most everybody hates the Jews. <laughs> I was thought it was kind of funny. You know, they're all upset about what, um, something about uh, Ivanka. And uh, one of Trump's daughters, I can't remember the name, she married a Jew. And they're out calling him anti-Semitic. Well, if he's anti-Semitic, he can shoot his own son-in-law. Folks, we say things we don't have any idea what we're talking about. And so... Nahor, then we come into play. His name is mentioned. is the grandfather of Laban and Rebekah, which we'll see figures that are greatly uh, uh, to Abraham's grandson, Jacob. They'll just kind of uh, be great as we move all the way down to Jacob. First of all, let's look at Sarah. Or Sarai, later she, her name was changed to Sarah. Because when her name was changed, her first name was Sarai. But it didn't mean faith. But when you got that they changed her name to Sarah, it meant a woman of faith. So we also knew that Sarah was what? Barren. She couldn't have any children. But through that process of being barren, through that, through that process of trying to have children, it never happened in her life. Every Jewish woman wanted to have the Messiah. So they wanted a child. They wanted, and so they kept bearing children. They wanted to see if they could be the one to bear the Messiah. Some of them still think like that, by the way. And so 1 Peter 3, verse 1 and 7 describes her as such a godly person. If Abraham wasn't godly, he would have got godly because of her testimony. That's a pretty strong woman right there. And so... Then, then we've got another character that gets in our story, and his name is Lot. He's the son of Abraham's dead brother, Haran. Now, he was the man who kind of strayed. Then we kind of have another one called Terah. Terah lives to be 205. Now, I want you to notice something. Our ages are considerably going down after the flood. You notice that? I mean, we start with 950 years. Now we're down to 205 years. Then we get down to Abraham, I think, did 147 years. And so it, that's why that, that Ecclesiastes and Psalms tells us about to number our day. But we, we don't have near as many days as they had. We got a few days, and they're full of trouble. 
right? So you've got to make sure that in those days that God gives you, that you make sure you give yourself to him. That's the only reason you're here. You're not here so you can make a lot of money. You're not here so you can buy a bunch of stuff. You're not here so that you can have a romantic lifestyle. You're not here so you can be the, uh, uh, the date stud of the town. That's not why you're here. You're not here for any reason except to glorify him. Every person who's ever been born was to glorify Jesus Christ, but not everybody has. In fact, some of, in our life, there's been times we didn't, right? So, we make an important phrase in verse number 31, uh, or he makes an important phrase, and Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Ur of the Chaldees is way down south, near in the Arabian Desert, way back down south. At that time, we don't know what was desert and what wasn't. Uh, we don't know because of God's judgment how things has changed. But anyway, when they, God tells him to go to the promised land, he takes a slanting, a slanting route north, as I showed you last week. But before he moves over into the promised land, he stops at a place called Haran. His dad, family, everybody seems to go. Looks like everybody's going, but they stopped right there. So that's why verse 31 is important. The word Haran, write this down, means delay. Okay? They stopped there and delayed. And Terah died and never saw the promised land. The longer you put off what God wants you to do, the more blessings you're going to miss. Y'all with me tonight? So we see God's sovereign selection, his choice. Secondly, we see Abram's or Abraham, as he's later called. You say, well, why would he change his name? Well, Abram means exalted father. Abraham means a father of multitude. You see why he changed his name? Yeah, he was an exalted father. He was an honored father. But he was more than that. He was the father of multitudes. Now, I'll talk to you a bit about it. You see, um, we, um, this, is, this verse 31 gets important because of that. So we, when we see his sovereign selection of the choice, then we have to start a line of faith here. So the first thing we have here is God's call of Faith. This is in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. God's call of faith. First of all, it was a personal call. Now notice, he said to Abram, all faith begins with God taking the initiative. Who did the first talking? Who? God, yeah. When you got saved, who did the first talking? Did you say, God, I'm going to get saved today? No, it didn't work that way. Who took the initiative? God did. 
And some folks say, well, that's why I believe that God don't touch everybody's heart. I think he takes the initiative of all people. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And so I think he speaks to everybody. Just not everybody here. You can read Matthew 13, figure that out. So when he called him, he begins by taking the initiative. He spoke to Abram. Now listen, here's what Abram's heart condition was unbelieving idolatrous and it was just like he does to us when he we begin a work of faith in our life a start of faith starts with God God must say something before you can believe something that's why preaching still important where people believe it or not God has to say something before you can believe something you can't believe anything till God says something. Now, we have a whole book of what God says. You ought to read it to your children every night. You ought to read it to them when they was in the womb. We did. And prayed over them in the womb. They heard me preaching nine months before they ever was born. They was just, that they ought to be saturated with that. Instead of this other mess they're saturated with. They're consumed with all of the technology that they have now to where they can sit there. And the only thing that can work is this right here. And before long, we're going to have a bunch of zombies on our hands. You can't read, write, do anything else. They're zombies. Because they've been stooped, stupefied by this technology that is consuming our little children, big children, and adults. Adults worst of all, maybe, because you can overlook what a child says when they're communicating, but you can't overlook what an adult says. So he personally calls him. Let me show you where that's at. Just it's, I didn't put any notes, I don't think, but in John chapter 6, verse 44, you, I'll show you where that's at if you ever want a scripture to go to. When you can ask somebody. I've had somebody come to me and say, well, I just don't know where it's time for me to be saved. I said, well, what are you doing down here? Why'd you come? They knew it was time to be saved. They were just fighting off God. I want you to look and see. Well, here's, why. here's what they had. John chapter 6. If I can find it here in verse 44, I think it is. This is what he said. No man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him. That's called conviction. And look, I'll raise him up at the last day. If you'll come to him, he'll make sure you're saved, and he'll make sure you're in the resurrection. That's what he says. So God has to say something before you can believe something. And verse 45 in John 6 goes on to say, he quotes from the Old Testament and says, God taught all men. So that means he draws all men. He talks to all men. He teaches them how to be saved. It's something we have in us called volition. That means our will. Our will. God said whosoever will, let him come. You see, some of these folks didn't come. 
They went as far as Haran, but when they knew they had to go somewhere else and they didn't have a clue where it was, they was out. They didn't believe God enough to trust him, but Abraham did. It was a personal call. Number two, it was a parting call. Look, he says, get thee out of thy country. Abraham needed to leave. He was successful in business. He was happily married to evidently a knockout, beautiful, gorgeous-looking woman. He, they had a close family, highly civilized area there in the Mesopotamia. He lived in a city of luxury. His faith was started with a call to leave and not even know where he's going. That's where it started. Hmm. Leaving, going to the unknown, folks, is, is a, 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 that's a scary thing, but it's a faith thing. They were going to the unknown with uncertainty, knowing there'd be hardships, and they were not pioneers. They were not built to be that. They were not built that way at all. And so God weans him away from everything that reminds him of his cultural roots. He said, I want you to get away from everything that reminds you of your cultural roots. Get out of here. They're a bunch of idolaters. That's all you see. That's all they are. Get out of there. Get out of the country. But later on when he wanted a son to get married, where'd they go? Back down there. Because he wanted to marry somebody that they knew was in their um, family, okay? So, but the majority of that area was just full of idolatry. So God says, get out of here. And he, that's where his faith started. The city of Ur is where we would call today southern Iraq. Southern Iraq. That's where the city of Ur had 30-foot walls. Archaeologists tell us. Jewels were found there. Medical supplies and instruments were found there. Statuettes, a huge ziggurat was found there. The sophisticated and well-designed, wealthy city was there in the place to where he said, I want you to leave. It's hard to leave something like that, isn't it? He must leave his country. He got to leave his kinfolk. And his father, his close family, why? Why don't you look over to Joshua 24? I've been telling you, but I'm going to show you now. Joshua 24, verse 2. You got it? If you got it, say amen. If you, say, if you hadn't, say wait. Okay. Look. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And he called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. I literally believe that God spoke in an audible voice to Abraham. Look what he says. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. He didn't have any Bible. So look, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in the old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. 
That's why I know he come from a land of idolatry. And as he goes on in chapter 14, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose this day which you will serve, whether it be the gods of your fathers, which were on the other side of the flood, are the gods of Amorites in whose land you dwell, but it's for me and my house we'll serve the Lord. You see, we leave off that first part. Abraham's telling a bunch of idolaters that don't know nothing about the Bible like you do, don't know anything about Jehovah God like you do. And he's saying, I brought you over here, and you said you was believing in God, but now you have turned away from God and he's saying, Joshua is saying, that Abraham moved from an idolatrous place to get you to a land to where you could believe. And instead of you believing, you joined a different kind of idolatry. So, so make up your mind who you're going to serve. But for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I hope we could all say that tonight. Amen. Thirdly, it was a promised call. A promised call. I think God had to break Abraham away from his past so he could fulfill his future. You see, um, Jared's pulling up roots. It's a good thing. He's pulling up roots, and God has to tear him away from um, what he has instead of just staying close enough where he can get a little touch of it. He, he, he is having to pull up roots and go and just kind of release the past so God can fulfill the future with him. So who knows what God will do? Who knows? He may someday be the pastor of this church. But he, he may pastor somewhere else. More than likely, he'll come pastor three miles from the church. I don't know, but. <laughs> but he's going to learn a great deal just being in Bible college. If you don't learn anything else, he's going to learn, i got to trust God while I'm here. I'm going to trust God while I'm here. And so I know he'll do well, and you'll pray for him, and so will I. Uh, but I think he's doing what God wants him to do. He's saying you've got to just kind of get out of your cult culture, get out of your comfort zone, and get to the place to where I can use you greatly in the future. Jared, I ain't just going to preach on you tonight. But anyway, that's, this is what we see happening in a modern version of that, okay? Now, let's look at the promise call. Abraham had to be looking, chapter 12, go back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And it looks to me like that Abraham had to be looking. And the Lord said to Abraham, get thee out of the country from thy kindred, from thy father's house, to a land I'll show thee. And I'll make of thee a great nation, bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now, this promised call that Abraham had been waiting on and looking for, I believe, first of all, he promised him a land. Only one-tenth of that land has ever been conquered. I believe it all will be conquered in the millennium as Israel. And the other nations of the world will flow to it. But... He gave him a promised land. He also gave him a promised nation, a great nation, a great nation. 
And he also gave him a great name. A great name. You say, why? Well, God said, first of all, I'm going to bless him. And second of all, he's going to bless others. Through him, I'm going to bless you, others, through him. Bless him, and I'm going to bless you through him. That's what he's saying. But why? Because his name is great. Did you know his name is honored by three major religions? Yep. Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Abraham's name is honored by these three major religions. A great nation has been preserved longer than any other nation. You just can't get rid of the Jews no matter how hard you try. They have been preserved longer than any nation ever, ever. Now, it may not have been many. It may not be much, but God had them preserved. Now, he didn't preserve all their lines and genealogies and things like that, the like some of them says that they know. But I'll tell you one thing, they all think they know which tribe they're from. So his name was honored in three religions, and this land has never been fully conquered by Abraham and his seed, and it won't be to the millennium now that it will be. In fact, now Israel's living on just a little spot. But when Jesus comes and sits on the throne, they're going to live on a big spot, and people will flow there from all over the world. Now, surely this was a start on faith because Abram knew that with his death, uh, his name and seed would die. In other words, God promised him all this stuff, but the only way that could happen was through his seed, right? So if he died, everything God promised couldn't happen, right? So how did he go on? Faith. Faith. That's, would you do that? If God promised you all that stuff, and here you are, old man, don't have any kids. Nothing's going on. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's done. Not even, I mean, they'd put you in a circus if you had one at 90 now. We'll have you down at Disney World. But I want to show you something. Look over to Romans 4, and then I got to quit. And we'll pick it back up next week. But look at Romans chapter 4, and I will show you something. Here's why God calls Abraham such a man of faith. And by the way, Abraham never owned anything in Israel except a barrel plot. That's why he kept moving in tent and tent. He kept moving tents. That's what he lived in. That's what got Lot in trouble. Lot decided he'd have him a house. He got in trouble. Abraham never had anything but a barrel plot. So look in Romans 4, 17. Have you got it? Well, I love this verse. And it's written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, <laughs> who gives life to the dead, is what that means, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. <laughs> in other words, if God says it, it don't matter if it takes a thousand years. It's going to be. 
And Abraham believed God enough that even though it hadn't happened, it was as good as done because God had said it. That's faith. And then he goes on, look, who against hope believed in hope. There was no hope of this ever happening. Humanly, it didn't even look like there was a chance of it happening. But he believed in hope against hope. Look, but he kept going that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. See how it's all, what, what's it based on? The seed. The seed. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. And he, in other words, when God said, you're going to have a, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to give you these promises and your seed line's going to make you a great name and a great people and a great nation, he knew he had to have a child. So at 100 years old, something jumped up inside of him and said, whoa, whoa something can happen. And then the Bible says his own body now dead. I mean, he was so old, he, he, he looked dead. And when he was about 100 years old, and not only that, Sarah's womb was dead. But he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in, strong in, giving glory. To God. Look at 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. He just keeps on, man. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Oh, well, you can get saved just by faith. He said it in the Old Testament, and he's saying exactly the same thing here. Paul brings him back up and says, This is our seed man, this is our father. This is where we came from. He got saved by faith. We get saved by faith. That's what he said. In verse 24, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our generation. So that promise to Abraham included us. Only if you believe. Takes a lot of faith to believe what Abraham believed. Pull your stakes up, not know where you're going, how you're going to get there. God just said, we'll talk about it later on. God just said, I'll show you. I'll show you when to get there. How would you like that if you was going to go on vacation? Where are we going? I'll show you when we get there. And you wind up on a hunting reserve somewhere. He puts you in a Motel 6 and he goes to the woods. But we know now, we don't have to know where we're going. If God says, I'm taking you there, it's a good thing. 